Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You know things aren't going well. You are thinking about a divorce. You're wondering about the hijackle and divorce. You're wondering if you can make it through with all the feelings and all of the considerations. And then the big thing comes, do I need an attorney? How do I find an attorney? How do I find the right attorney? So today I'm going to be talking with Jason Levoy, and we are going to talk about that very thing because he's a divorce coach and a former practicing attorney. Stay tuned. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are you living with the chaos, confusion, and uncertainty that a toxic person loves to create? Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or coworker causing you to second-guess yourself? That can be crazy-making. I'm here to help you save your sanity. So let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm delighted that you're here. If this is the first time that you've joined me, you're so welcome, and I'm glad you found me. If you're returning, I'm glad you find value, and please come and bring your friends. If you're really enjoying this podcast and you'd like to support it, go to say to patreon.com, patreon.com slash save your sanity. You can pledge a dollar a month, $5 a month, $10 a month, and it helps defray the cost of keeping the podcast on the air. So today we're going to be talking about that great joy with this lovely fellow here, Jason Levoy, and we're going to be talking about what about this divorcing business when it comes down to the legal aspects? Welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. I'm glad you returned. Uh, other people may not have heard our previous episodes, so be sure go and do a little search wherever you like to get your podcast and listen to my previous um, episode with Jason. But Jason is also known as the Divorce Resource Guy, and he works with people, whether they have an attorney or not, to empower them to navigate the challenges of the divorce process with confidence and integrity all from an attorney's point of view. So this is invaluable, and it's the inside view. He's been in courtrooms. He knows what goes on. He's seen what can happen. He can see, He has seen what works and what doesn't work. Right, Jason? I, I, I would say so. That's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't help, can you? I mean, I've been in courtrooms not nearly as much as you, and sometimes I'm just like, oh, really? That happened? <laughs> Oh, the stories we could tell. Uh, yeah, some, some crazy things happen inside a courtroom, um, and you wouldn't believe it if we told it to you, but that's, that's what, part of what I do is I try to prevent you from having one of those uh, war story moments for other people to tell. <laughs> yes, and don't we want to do that? Because you know what's of interest to me to bring to, to listeners is that let's shortcut your journey. Let's streamline your journey. Let's give you the benefit of all the experts that I interview who will help you make the fewest number of mistakes possible. 
And that's what we want to do. And that's what Jason's here to help us do today. So I want to go back, Jason, and I want to say, okay, now I finally made the decision that at least I want to look into divorce. And I'm with a toxic person, so they're pretty vigilant. They're kind of watching me. They're maybe even looking at my web browser history. Maybe they have a tracker on my phone, all kinds of things going on. So we have considerations. I know, nasty considerations. It's sad that we have them, but we do. So among all those big considerations, the first one is, when do I need an attorney? What would your answer be? Well, ideally, in a perfect world, uh, the moment that you have decided uh, that divorce is going to be the road you go down, and that's a personal decision, um, you don't need permission uh, from your spouse to get divorced. Uh, it's something either they will decide first or you, or sometimes even at the same time. But when you have made that decision for yourself, that is the time to start looking into uh, forming your divorce team, which your attorney would be you know, one of the main building blocks of. So uh, absolutely before you file anything with court uh, or if your spouse is the one who initiated the divorce before you go to court, court uh, for any hearings uh, or anything like that, you want to well in advance, um, you know, kind of have your ducks in a row and know who is on your side. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that because so many times people have that as their first thought. And I encourage them not to have that as their first thought. You know, yes, they've decided they want a divorce, but they need to talk it through. They need to prepare. Like when I'm working with my clients, I tell them, unless there's sexual or physical abuse, once you've made that decision, now you are in practice and preparation mode. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it's going to take a while before you actually need an attorney. You might be looking at them. You may be considering which one you want. But before you hire an attorney, there's so many things to get in, as you say, ducks in a row, right? Absolutely. And I always tell people, you know, preparation, in my opinion, is the most important phase of the whole thing. If you prepare, and because when you're in the preparation phase, before the court is involved, or any uh, you know, divorce professional, like a mediator or arbitrator, anybody like that is involved, time is on your side. And if you prepare the right way, uh, which can take some time, you know, you have to gather the right documents, you have to form your team. Um, and that's all part of getting your ducks in a row. But when you, when you do that, you will greatly reduce the stress that you will be experiencing when everything really starts getting going. And I always describe the divorce process to clients as a roller coaster ride. You're going to have your ups and downs. Um, and you want to make sure that you are strapped in and ready to go. Uh, so you're not running around like a chicken with its head cut off. You know, always feel like you're trying to catch up from behind. So or being blindsided, right? Being blindsided that, by something. Well, that too. I mean, there can always be surprises, but... Um, nobody knows your life and your marriage better than you. So you know, or hopefully will have a good idea of, you know, what the assets are, um, you know, what type of accounts there may be. Um, and that's all just part of the process of preparing. 
um, because you're gonna have to exchange so much information once the process officially begins, uh, it's overwhelming enough. You, the better you're prepared, the easier it will be. Well, you just opened a big can of worms for people with hijackals there. Because one of the things that I know for certain after having done this work, you may think you know what the assets are in a marriage, but there are things you have never heard of, never seen, and maybe even offshore. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we spoke about that uh, last week, I think. That's why, surprises. Um, especially when you're dealing with a hijackal, like you said, you're bound to be dealing with some things, perhaps some hidden accounts uh, that you're going to have to navigate. Um, and that's not an easy uh, thing to deal with, you know, uh, and it's probably not going to be a cheap thing to deal with. So that just is all the more reason why you want to prepare, uh, if possible, ahead of time. So the things that you know do exist aren't going to be taking up your mental energy and in your time when you need to be focusing on perhaps some other things. Yes. And, and things that you think exist, you have to go and check. You know, I had a client, Jason, that both of us were just gobsmacked as they say in England, <laughs> because she was so sure that the house was in joint names. And when she went to look at it at my invitation they said, oh, no, you're, I'm so glad to see you. We were so worried about you. You were so ill. And she said, I wasn't. And her husband had gone in, found some new employee, some woman that he had charmed, and said, oh, I, I really need your help. My wife is so ill. She can't come in. She can't lift a pen. She can't do anything. But she's so concerned that the house should be in my name and everything should be taken care of in case she passes. Could you help me with that? And that person actually did. They took her name off the property. Yeah, that, that's that's a biggie. <laughs> and um, there's so many things wrong with what you just said. Uh, we won't go through every one of them, but yeah, you, you have to check. Um, even if you think, you know, um, I've had people who could swear they had joint accounts, but they weren't joint accounts. Um, and they realized that they didn't have access to them. And it's just things like that. Um, and if they're supposed to be joint accounts, you know, and you can't get access to them, why not? You know, where's the, where's the kink in that armor? Is it, on the, is it on the bank side? Is it something that can be rectified easily by you with some paperwork? You know, these are things that you want to do ahead of time. So when you need access to these accounts, um, you can get them. Absolutely. And assets like a house, but I've had people who thought a car was in their name. They had two cars. They thought one was in her name, one was in his name. That wasn't so. We've had situations where cars were leased. And then, of course, the situation was that the one person leased the cars for the family. So it was in that situation. And if the my client was going to leave, they were going to have to leave without their car. 
So decisions that are made in a relationship where there is some toxicity and there is some exertion of control by one partner, you can find yourself in these things where the hijackal has pre-thought how to control things. And you, being a trusting human, had thought, this is we doing this, so this is all good. And the more you uncover, the more you realize that no, that person was making sure that everything worked in his or her favor, not in my favor, but it sounded so good. You bring up a great point. And, and tell me if you agree with this. I, I have a feeling you might, but I'm never sure. So I want to I get it out there. You know, especially when you're dealing with, you know, these type of hijackal personalities, it's almost as if maybe they don't really want to get a divorce because they like being in the situation where they have the power um, and control. But it's almost when the other person starts to really dig a little bit, um, it's like the hijackal was planning this from the beginning, knowing that if you ever wanted to get divorced from them, they would have everything in their name. They would, you know, you wouldn't be able to get access to what you need uh, access to and it's it's almost like they've been preparing all that time um, and none the, and you're none the wiser right it's, it's what it feels like to me oh you're absolutely right and you don't know how many times they drop by financial institutions just to make nice just to charm just to manipulate just to make sure we're good you know um, just clarify so they develop these relationships these grooming relationships then you know if it's a male hijackal they're usually grooming women anyway and so their flirtation skills, their charm skills and everything come into play in financial organizations. And the reverse is true if it's the woman who's a hijackal. So, you know, they'll, they'll engage the men and they will visit and they'll just drop by and, you know, just checking in, making sure we sustain their relationship, making sure everything's cool, right? And what they're really doing is saying, we're tight, right? And... You know, if things go sideways, we're the ones with the right information. And that's a big shock when the other partner goes in to learn what's really been going on. Yeah, it, and it, it really still amazes me. Maybe it shouldn't after all I've seen, but it, it amazes me how the institutions fall for it. Um, because, you know, there's so many safeguards, or there should be, um, mm -hmm. Uh, on their end to prevent things like that happening um, that, you know, most of the time, I think it's like you said, you know, they, they find somebody who might be new at the job um, who they can really, you know, smooch, smooch over and befriend who will either intentionally bend the rules for them or they're just, you know, naive to the proper procedures and, and, and don't do it. But, either way right they they find a way to manipulate uh, what they need to well that's the nature of their game is manipulation for their benefit at all all times so that's going to happen so if i am thinking of divorcing a hijackal is there any possible way because the hijackal has control of all the finances in most cases is there any possible way that I could see my way clearly to represent myself or is that complete foolishness? 
That's a, that's a great question. Um, one that I handle all the time. The answer is, my official answer is, it depends. <laughs> oh, but, <how> clear. <laughs> but I'll tell you this. Um, 90, I'll say 98% of the time, you should not try to go it alone. Um, especially when you're dealing with a hijackal situation. Um, because there are things, hijackal or not, the, navigating the court system is overwhelming and confusing. It's even confusing for attorneys a lot of times. Um, the procedures change all the time and it's just overwhelming. And you don't need to be bothered with that, frankly. You know, that's what an attorney can help you do. Um, because you want to use your mental energy for more important things like finding the assets and, and getting things in order. Um, an attorney is so important when you're dealing in a, a high conflict divorce, um, you know, they can help guide you. Um, more importantly, hopefully they will understand who your spouse is and the type of person that they are and understand that whole dynamic and be able to help you navigate that treacherous path because it will be treacherous. Um, you know, a divorce does not minimize the problems that existed in your marriage. It's only going to blow them up even more. Oh, um, I'm so glad you brought that up because I was just thinking about this, what I believe is a fact after having been through this with, for the last 25 years with folks. A hijackal doesn't like to be discarded, which is what divorce represents. They like to discard you because they want, they're ready to move on somewhere. But if you happen to be the one who wants the divorce, whoa, they're affronted. They do not like that. So there's another factor in this I want to throw into the conversation, which is you can get representation and you can hope that you have some kind of plausible timeline for this divorce to be final. But what a hijacker wants to do is get continuance after continuance. They want to spend all the money you possibly have on court so that you will be left with no money, even if they end up having to give you some. So there are some really good reasons for having a very astute attorney who understands hijackals as well as ex experienced in the law. Because this could go on for a very long time, and it will after the divorce, but the divorce itself could go on for a very long time, right? Absolutely, and I can almost guarantee that if you're dealing with a hijackal personality, it will go on for a very long time. Um, and that's one of the most frustrating things for people to hear, and frankly, for me to say. Uh, one of the unfortunate byproducts of going through the courts is that, and you mentioned it, uh, there are just so many continuances and adjournments of, of hearings um, because one side or the other will request it and the court liberally grants them um, for various reasons. Um, but I, I always tell people if one side wants to drag it out as long as possible and make it as, as, as expensive as possible, it's unfortunately most likely going to happen. Um, and there's very limited options that you have to, to stop it. There's, but if you have a good attorney, um, there are te techniques that they can use and strategies to employ that can perhaps mitigate some of that. 
Um, but that's why I say to people all the time, you in preparation again, going back to preparation is so important. It's going to be a roller coaster ride and probably a long one. Yes, and there there are new laws that are going into effect um, to actually protect people from this process of being drawn out. And I'm really excited about those new laws. They're certainly not being adopted in every state and country, but they're actually being adopted where the courts are able to say, no, you're doing this as a punitive thing. It, this should be done by now. And they're actually speaking up on that behalf and, and putting an end to this, which is really exciting. And I hope that continues. Yeah, that can only help the process. And like you said, every state has its own procedures and, and, and laws regarding specificities of the divorce process. Um, but frankly, like in New Jersey, for example, where I am, uh, judges now have the power and they've always had the power in a divorce uh, to award attorney's fees um, to one side if they, if they deem it fit. Now, that, especially from a hijackal's point of view, is very, can be very powerful. You know, if a hijackal will have, most likely have an attorney, a high, you know, a hijackal attorney, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, they're, so they're paying them, which they are not happy about, I'm sure. Um, but they want you to pay your attorney and they don't want to, of course, have to pay for that. But if you can prove to a court, and I don't think judges use this technique enough, uh, even though it's at their disposal, if the court would award, it finds that the other side, the hijackal in, in your case, um, is abusing the process, um, you know, whether it's overly extending things, not providing you with the documents and information that they are required to do so, and they hit them with attorney's fees early on in the process when this behavior is evident, that can change the whole course of the divorce in your favor. Um, and because the last thing a hijack will want to do is pay for your attorney. I guarantee you that. Great point. If the judge would do that, that would be wonderful. Because what we're seeing, and of course they call it frivolous, because it continuously is punitive to the other side. We haven't really had new discovery. We haven't really had new facts. We haven't done anything except come back and say, well, you know, I think that my spouse is making a little more than they were before, and I want to reevaluate the financial disclosure. So back to square one and start again. Well, at a certain point, you just cannot do that. You know, there, it has to be over because that financial disclosure was supposed to be agreed to before the marital settlement came documents were even considered and then people want to go back and change things or change the custody or change the spousal support or whatever and that is really important that we recognize that just what you said you know could we be lucky enough or could an attorney jason i don't know the answer could an attorney say I believe that this is punitive and frivolous and being drawn out for no good reason other than to uh, use my client's money. Can an attorney just ask for that or make that point in court? Well, I'll I'll only speak for New Jersey, but yes. Um, And that's what they do all the time. The problem is the courts don't do it. Um, And they will consistently, you know, to use a sports analogy, punt, um, punt the football down the field on that issue. And, and that's why it's so frustrating as an attorney and, and you're trying to stop um, 
somebody from abusing the system because you know, and they're not really hiding the fact that they're trying to draw it out and bleed you dry financially. Um, But judges are just so, I don't know what it is, um, to be honest with you, but they do not use that tool that they have at their disposal to take control of the proceedings. Um, and, And then that's how the proceedings kind of spiral out. And then, and then it's, you have a runaway train that you're trying to slow down. And of course that's hard. Um, and so from the attorney's point of view, if early on there's evidence of this type of thing and an experienced judge would be able to notice that, you know, um, unless it's their first case, you, you know, the tactics that people try to employ to abuse the system it happens every day. Um, so if they put a stop to that early on, then that behavior will most likely stop. Um, and, and that, that will help, help you, the one who's trying to get divorced fairly and quickly, um, so much more. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about finding that attorney. All right. So I've got my documentation all really taken care of. I've dug deeply. I know everything that I can possibly know. I also have a sense that there's more that I don't know. And so I'm ready to go to an attorney. What's the first step in deciding which ones to even interview? Well, there are a lot of attorneys out there. (laughs) There So um, finding them is not the hard part, Um, but finding the right ones is, is what takes some time um, and perhaps a little investment. And I always say there's free, there's attorneys out there that will give you free consultations. Go on those. Absolutely. Uh, there's attorneys out there that will charge for their consultations and their time. And what I tell people is don't, don't shy away from those either, though. Um, you can learn more in one paid consultation than five free ones. Um, not to say that the free ones can't be valuable, but do a little both. You know, uh, pick a couple of paid consultations with experienced attorneys um, and then go on some free ones and and see if you notice a difference. Um, Start with family and friends uh, if you don't have any other source for referrals. Um, They're always a good start, uh, but I wouldn't rely on that either uh, because everybody's divorce is different. Um, you can't compare yours to anyone else's and don't let anybody try to compare theirs to yours. Um, I always say divorces are like snowflakes. Everyone's different. (laughs) And so you want to interview a good, you want to get a sample of attorneys in your local area who, who are familiar with the courts that you will be in, uh, who know the judges that you will be before. Um, because those are the relationships that matter. And that can help you move your case along. Um, and a judge who respects a local attorney um, can be invaluable, um, especially if, the, if your spouse's attorney is somebody who they know and has a reputation for, you know, abusing the system or, or trying to draw things out. If the judge is aware of that, and, and many attorneys, you know, have reputations, good and bad and and the judges all know about them you know it's a very small the legal community is really kind of a, a tight-knit community so if you have somebody local chances are they appear before uh the judges in, in your family courthouse 
every day. Uh, and so they know how to work together. Okay. Um, and they're not going to be able to pull the same games um, that maybe a judge not familiar with them would be able to pull. Okay. So I, I go on one of these interviews and what kind of questions do I have to ask? Um, certainly I know what kind of questions I want my people to ask in addition to just the questions about getting a good attorney. I want them to ask questions about their experience with high conflict divorce, their experience with people with personality disorder traits. I want to have some understanding of how they've done in other cases but generally, how do I choose? If I, if I go online and I say, all right, there are 10 family law attorneys local to me, five of them people I know know, now what do I ask those five? How do I start this? Well, one of the first, one of the first things I tell people going into an attorney consultation is it's okay to be nervous. Um, you know, it's not every day that you do this, right? Um, and you interview an attorney and, you know, people have this thing about attorneys, you know, that they could be intimidating. Um, and, but remember, you are interviewing them. You are going to hire them to work for you. That, that's really the relationship there. Um, and, and you're looking for them to give you guidance and advice. So first off, find somebody that, you think you're going to mesh well with personality wise and that you will only get a feel for once you start talking with them. Um, and sometimes attorneys, sometimes you can talk to them personally on the phone before you even get to the consultation um, in their office and you can get a, a vibe. And, you know, if you don't feel comfortable, even from a phone conversation, then don't waste your time going on the consultation, you know, move on um, because odds are that's just not going to be the right fit for you. Um, so you want to you want to you want to have a, a good mesh with the personality. Then you want to get into their qualifications. You want to get into their approach on how they handle conflict in divorce, um, because if you're dealing with a hijackal, surely you are going to be involved in conflict. Um, so while they might not be familiar with the term hijackal yet, um, it's your job uh, to get them to get them there. Um, and, you know, you could start off perhaps using the term narcissist, right? Most people are familiar with that. Um, but you'd be surprised how many people don't even know that term. <laughs> um, but the point is ask about how do they handle conflict? How will they handle a situation where the other side is trying to draw it out longer just to make you spend more money? You know, if you're the first case, you know, if their answer to that question is, well, I've never really never dealt with that before, um, then that's probably not going to be the right attorney for you. <laughs> um, you want somebody who's going to be able to say, you know, almost, I deal with that all the time. Um, and this is how I handle that. Okay, right? let me just jump in there. Because I have had situations where that's the attorney answer because they want the work. So they, when they say, I handle that all the time, they mean, well, of course, every courtroom is fraught with people who are at, at, in adversity, in conflicting situations with one another. And they're kind of whitewashing the whole idea of being with a hijackal into, well, I deal with difficulties all the time. So I just want to put in here that you have to really do what you said just before that, which is, do you understand 
the kind of person who comes to court with the intent to manipulate, to lie, to deceive, all of that. You know, I'll give you an example. Um, I went to court and, you know, my, when you're raised by hijackals as I was, you are going to be susceptible to marrying one, which I did. So I, I went to court and finally, you know, I hired the best attorney I possibly could because back then it was a long time ago and you could not get a divorce for emotional abuse. You couldn't. And that's what it was. And so I hired the best attorney. I spent all this money on this, the best one in the city. And we got to court. And here's what a hijackal does. A hijackal has to win in the moment. I have to command everything. They have to say, aren't I clever? So the judge said to him, uh, because at that time, only adultery was an automatic divorce, right? And <laughs> the judge said to him, uh, um, why are we here today and why do you want a divorce? And because he wanted to hurt me, he turned after all this preparation of an emotional abuse case, he turned and faced me and he said, because on our last wedding anniversary, I committed adultery. Wow. Now, that was a gift to me. I mean, yes, I had invested all this money in an attorney and never expected that to happen. But that was an incredible gift to me. Those gifts do not happen very often. Unfortunately not. No. That's like winning and the lottery. <laughs> it was. It, you know, back then, I mean, it was a long time ago. And back then, I mean, the only automatic divorce was adultery. But the hijackal with that turn of mind, I'm the smartest person in the room and I'm going to get you and make you feel badly, gave it all away right at that moment. But that's not happening these days because there are so many mitigating factors. So it's very important that you do these interviews, that you ask people like, what do you do when when you know the person's lying, I know the person's lying, we know the person's lying, and the person knows they're lying, and so does their attorney. What do you do? And you ask someone that, right? Yeah, and, and, and that's what I wanted to say, too, is get into the specifics. Don't, don't let them give you a general answer, oh, I handle that all the time, and it ends there. Um, any attorney that promises you the world, A, is a red flag. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, but... You want specifics, you know, and, and feel free to offer your own hypothetical, okay? Um, because you could probably anticipate what your hijackal spouse is going to do. Um, nobody knows them better than you. So give, you know, think of one before you go on the consultation. Think of a really bad scenario that you could see playing out. And ask, how would you handle, how would you handle that situation? You know, specifically, mm -hmm. what would you do? Um, would, you know, would we have to file a motion? What type of motion? If that doesn't work, what would you do? You know, and get him to talk, him or her. Um, and you will get a sense, the more the attorney speaks about how they work, um, you will learn, get a better understanding for their tactics, their, their strategies, how they think. Um, and which is extremely important because you want to be on the same page with your attorney. Um, you want to approach conflict the same way. Um, and if you do that, you'll be in a good place. The, 
the, the thing you don't want to do is hire an attorney and then realize that they're doing things that you don't agree with. Um, and you know, they're filing motions that you really don't want to file and it's costing you more money and it's adding more stress to you because now you are dealing with an attorney, which is another relationship. Um, and in that relationship, you don't need stress about, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to hire somebody who, who thinks like you as far as how they will handle conflict. What about an attorney? A question for an attorney about how quickly they get back to clients. Because this is a stalling tactic that goes on and on. Sure, you know, 48 hours, 72 hours, maybe somebody's in court the whole time, caught up in a trial or something. But what's a natural and reasonable amount of time for an attorney to get back to you if you just have a question? Well, that's a great question. Personally, when I was practicing, uh, I would try to get back to somebody, even if it was just a two-word email, um, within 24 hours, Um, just to let them know that I saw their message and, right, maybe I'm in the middle of something, uh, but I will get back to them. But, you know, that I, I acknowledge that they're trying to talk with me. Um, attorneys who, it's like doctors in bedside manner, really. Um, you know, there's a lot of attorneys who just don't know how to, or who are not good at, at, at doing that. Um, not good at people. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. I mean, I, I have, it's the same experience with like doctors and dentists. <laughs> <laughs> finding a good doctor with bedside, good bedside manner um, who doesn't get defensive. If you ask one question, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, but, it is. It is. Right. And, and so attorneys are no different. Um, you know, it, it, it's, I guess it's part of the emotional intelligence um, that somebody might have or not have, but you know, that's a great point to bring up in a consultation. You say, Hey, if I have a quick question, how, how soon will you get back to me? You know, even if you're busy, like, will you, will you just ignore me until you have time? Or will you at least just tell me I'm busy, but I know you saw my message? Um, because that will make people feel better. And it's not hard to do. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, you want to ask what their billing practices are. Most attorneys bill hourly. Um, and so they'll have an hourly rate and they bill you know, in increments of that hour. Um, Some attorneys will bill you for every communication, no matter how short it is. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, Um, but you just want to be aware of what it's going to be. So you're not surprised. And again, dealing with a stressful situation um, later on. So that's a perfectly fair question to ask during the consultation is, you know, how do you bill? Um, and what can I, what can I expect, uh, as far as, you know, I know you're busy. I know I'm not your only case, but you know, well, do you have an associate who can get back to me? If you can't, do you have staff that will be familiar with things that I can talk to that sort of thing? Yeah, that's a really good point because if you're a person who is really on edge all the time and which you are, if you have a hijack call. And then somebody is not getting back to you. That's that feels like rewounding. So the person understands 
if if you're talking to an attorney and you're interviewing an attorney and they can let you know that they understand that that causes anxiety in you that feels like the hijackal and you don't want to have that in this relationship with the attorney, you need them to understand that. You need them to be able to say, I get it and I will not engage in that to the best of my ability. I will really be careful with that. Exactly. Yeah. So I, 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 so much we could talk about, you know, one of the things I tell my clients is before you ever get an attorney, you want to be the very best paralegal in the world. (laughs) You want to have collected absolutely everything so that when you go, you've got everything to give. You are ready and you are not expecting them to do all the work. And I know everybody says to me, well, why do I have to do that? Isn't that why I pay an attorney? Yes. And it doesn't work that way. (laughs) <laughs> oh, can I just say something about that? Yeah. Um, you're, not only will your attorney love you to death because you will be their best client ever. Um, the best client I ever had came in uh, the first meeting with a, a, a three-ring binder stacked, tabbed. I didn't have to do anything. And not only did I love her because I didn't have to collate you know, a bunch of boxes and, and you know, figure out what's what. And it saved Saved me time, which saved her money. Exactly. My because point. Uh, otherwise, your attorney's going to charge you to go through all your documents for you. Um, or charge you to tell you to go get the documents. And so when you're already ahead of the curve and you say, here's all the correspondence, here are all the text messages, here they are in chronological order, and they're all tabbed and all hey, yeah, that's a good thing. Now, we could talk about so many aspects, but I just want to finish with this one question because I'm sure people want to know the answer and I want to know your answer. In a toxic relationship, now, this is me asking as a professional mediator, so I have my opinions, but in a toxic relationship, do you think there is any wisdom in going to a mediator rather than just going for an attorney? Going for a mediator in lieu of an attorney? Yes. Um, yeah, I would probably advise against that most of the time. Uh, for the same reasons why I would advise most of the time not going it alone uh, instead of hiring an attorney. Uh, mediation is great um, if you have a good mediator, but uh, a mediator is not your advocate. Okay, A lot of people are unclear about that. A mediator is supposed to be a third-party neutral person. Um, neutral meaning they don't take sides um, for your spouse or you. Um, so the mediator's job is not to necessarily look out for, for your interest. They're there to try to foster a settlement that is fair for both sides. Um, but you might just not know what's fair for you. Um, and that's not your fault. Um, it's just a fact, right? Especially if you don't know all the assets, you don't, you know, a mediator, I think of it like this, a mediator, if if you have the big pie, a pizza pie, um, and that's your, that's your marriage, that's your assets, everything. A mediator's job is to try to divide up the pie, uh, and give everybody slices that make them happy, enough slices that make them happy. Uh, Every state has different laws on, on what that means. You know, some states it's equitable distribution, some states it's community property, but that's not the point of this, uh, of this discussion. 
the point is the mediator's job is to divvy up the pie. But if you don't even know what comprises the whole pie, how could, how could that work? Um, so mediation is great after you know what, after you have the full pizza pie. And then, uh, you know, it usually works better if you have an attorney on your side who, who's doing it for you, with you, you know, more so with you than for you, but you both attend the mediation together. Um, and, and that's, that's when the process really can work well. Yes, but that's double the cost and not quite as much fun. So it might be just a good idea to have an attorney. Well, Jason, I know there's 100,000 questions that will come out of this. So perhaps people will send them along or put them in the comments uh, underneath the podcast. And we will then be able to respond to that or on YouTube. They can also put those in. And then we can know what to talk about the next time that we meet. But thank you so much for sharing your expertise. It was great to talk to you again. Thank you. uh, you're welcome. My pleasure. I've been talking with Jason Lavoy, and you find him at jasonlavoy.com. So Jason, L-E-V-O-Y.com. He's the divorce resource guy, and you can hear why he is, because he has had the experience of being an attorney. He can coach you and help you and, and walk with you. And these are important things. So go to jasonlavoy.com. If you find value in this podcast. I hope you will return. And between now and then, visit forrelationshiphelp.com. Come on over, see the membership site there for you. Join in. It's completely off social media, so you don't have to worry about anybody having access. Um, Find the blogs, find the podcast, find the articles. All of that is there for you for forrelationshiphelp.com. And before we talk again, Take very good care of yourself. You matter. Treat yourself as though you do and have boundaries so other people will treat you well too. Talk soon. Thank you for joining me on the Save Your Sanity podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights, some ideas and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with a dollar or five each month, please do so at patreon.com slash save your sanity. Learn more about how to work with me by a video conference, join my optimized circles, or subscribe to this podcast on my YouTube channel at my website, transformingrelationship.com. Talk soon.